The Bulls have three seconds to try a shot and try to win the game. This is the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Coming to you from the betting deck. Don't believe what I just saw. Here are your hosts. Good evening, boys from Notebook Wagering. We are back. Tonight it is myself, Smitty. Sitting across from me is Jason. How are you doing, Jason? Pretty good. Here we go. We're finally getting to my favorite part of the season, college hoops. Oh, we're going to dive into it. And man, do we have a treat again. We brought our guest on probably about a month ago. I'd have to say about a month ago, but he is a lead national writer and podcast host for at Heat Check CBB, Brian Ralph. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me back on. Well, Brian, we had to bring you back on, man. We, we enjoyed. You're great. You're just, what a great mind. Follow this guy on Twitter. I mean, this is, when you sit on the couch at night, can I just say, when I sit on the couch at night and I watch all these games and I get on Twitter, I kind of look him up just to see what he's saying about college basketball night in night out because he is one of the best minds in college basketball so brian we're gonna just dive right into it because we're about a month away we were just mm-hmm. saying before we got on we're about a month away of getting into the big dance yeah. and this is when everybody if they say college basketball is too long they don't want to watch all year now people like us we watch all year oh yeah we have opinions all year but we're about a month away to start getting into it watching it maybe gambling it getting ready for conference tournament place into the big dance brian first thing man who is right now on your radar that's playing the best basketball heading into conference tournament or the big dance who's going in the right direction right now gonzaga obviously i mean the they're the number one team in the country <laughs> for a reason. Uh, and part of that is the level of play. Like they're not getting tested against a big 10 schedule or a big 12 schedule night out, you know, at the same time, they are playing at a really high level early on when they struggled in the, during the season, they looked a little bit out of sorts. Uh, they have a lot of new guys and they haven't really established their roles. Uh, they're very much settled in their roles now. Like Chet Holmgren, uh, number one recruit in the country who's going to be a top three pick in the draft was finding his, his place uh, alongside Drew Timmy the first month or two of the season. He's really settled into that now and he has become a monster and that has taken Gonzaga to another level. They've cut down their turnovers, gotten better three point shooting uh, outside of teams ranked number one though, uh, Texas tech and Tennessee to me have made the, the biggest turns over the last month in Tennessee's case and Texas Tech's the last last two months, both great defensive teams had question marks offensively and both have figured it out offensively. Texas Tech started running things through Bryson Williams down low and Kevin O'Banner pick and pop situations. If that name sounds familiar, Kevin O'Banner, that's the guy, uh, the second guy on Oral Roberts last year when they made that Sweet 16 run. They're led by Max Basemus. Kevin O'Banner was alongside of him scoring you know, 25 a game in the NCAA tournament, they realized that he's a good player and they should start using him more. What a wonderful strategy. Who would have thought of that? Um, And then Tennessee, 
their half court offense had been awful for a year and a half. And Rick Barnes eventually just kind of said, screw it. We're going to, we're going to throw three guards out there instead of trying to rotate it. And it's worked. So I, the offensive turnarounds that those two have had, I think have turned them from being like potential second weekend teams uh, to potential final four teams. I think last night at Texas Tech, you saw a great example. That Baylor game, I think a couple months ago, they would not have won that game. They got no. down early and they would just grinded it and they just could never make that dent. You know, I think we both had them last night laying the short line. And, you know, you, you've seen that offenses develop over the course of these games. Um, I think you referenced on your podcast yesterday about the Kansas State game. Um, that was kind of the bottom because you mm-hmm. know, K-State obviously is kind of the bottom of the Big 12, of the good teams at least, a good defensive team. That offense, that game was brutal to watch from an offensive perspective. And you watch Texas Tech now, it does not look the same at all. Um, Tennessee kind of had Kentucky. I guess that was kind of the game where everything kind of mm-hmm. where they went back to the whiteboard and said, OK, let's figure this out because we're way better than this. I mean, granted, they got shot out of the building that day, but um, they've really come on since then. Absolutely. So one thing we were talking about offline and you see some of these conferences this year, you see some like the bottoms are kind of a little bit murky. Um, the ACC is a little bit murky. What's going to come out is selection Sunday. Like last year was a pretty clean selection Sunday. Mm-hmm. You didn't have that one team. Everyone really thought got hosed. You know, you didn't really have people questioning the seating. Are we going to see the complete opposite this year? Is it going to be just like every single talent or every single hype man? is just going to be going nuts about how they got it all wrong. I think there's real potential for it, depending on what happens with conference tournaments. If some of these really good mid-majors from traditional one-bid leagues don't win their conference tournaments, we could get into into a murky situation where you're comparing them against mid-tier teams in the power conferences, right? Where let's, let's, I'll, I'll use, I'll use Wyoming as an example, because I think Wyoming is, is sliding back a little bit towards the bubble. First place in Mountain West has a bunch of really good wins, has two of the better players in the country, lost at New Mexico recently. That's not a loss that a lot of teams in their position can can handle and, and sustain. And I think Wyoming will get in, but they don't have the um, a quality non-conference win or, or two to really hang their hat on. We could get in a situation where if they if they don't win the Mountain West Conference Tournament, which is a real possibility because the Mountain West is a very good conference, where we're looking at a scenario, it's like, okay, do we put Wyoming in, in the first four or do we take you know, a North Carolina team that hasn't is, is a giant brand name and we think has talent but hasn't beaten a quad one team? Or do we put Michigan in, basically based on preseason expectations, over a team like Wyoming? And it might be unfair for me to, to lump Wyoming in here because they are really good that New Mexico losses has brought them down, but the larger point of having these teams that have been ranked at points in this season and suffered a loss or two in conference play. Do they get the benefit? Do they get the benefit of the doubt over some of these? You mentioned murky (laughs) middle of the road power conference teams that we've seen not be able to do it. Do they get another chance over maybe a, a more deserving lesser a team from a lesser league? because they play in a what's perceived to be a better league. Yeah, you mentioned the loss in New Mexico. Now, if you've looked at New Mexico's games, like they've had a bunch of close losses against the good teams mm-hmm. in the Mountain West. So, you know, but no one's going to know that, like you mentioned. Is the Mountain West tournament just going to be insane? Because Absurd. 
you probably have three teams in, but then you have teams like Fresno and UNLV and even New Mexico. Like I said, they've been competitive in games. They could ruin a lot of seasons here. Oh, absolutely. I, I think Colorado State and Boise are pretty solidly in. I think Wyoming should get in. Uh, San Diego State's right there on the bubble. A very good team. I think they had, uh, last I checked, had the nation's second best defense. That's a team nobody's going to want to face. Uh, UNLV has Bryce Hamilton, who you know, scored 45 <laughs> against Colorado State. A really good player there. New Mexico's coming on strong, like you mentioned. Uh, it could be chaos, but that's that's why, that's why we love March. That's why we love conference tournaments. We, we want to see yeah, that. Absolutely. Ryan, I'm going to go into a team. I'm, you know, I got a lot of teams here in my notebook down. The last time you were on, we kind of piggybacked a little bit about bashing this team a little bit. And now they've come on a little bit is Memphis Tigers with mm-hmm. Penny under the helm there. Penny went on a rant, kind of went after the media a little bit. And I kind of even made some shots on Twitter about him because I'm like, oh, be quiet. But now the team's playing kind of well. Took them the other night, team points, good win for me. What's your thought about Memphis right now heading into the last couple of weeks and then into their conference tournament? So I, there are two thoughts for me with Memphis. For all of the um, things Penny Hardaway does not do as a coach, one thing he has done, this will be the third year in a row now, is he has his team playing his best basketball in February and March. Like they, they seem to find their rhythm and peak right about now. Last year, they were pushing for an NJ tournament berth. If they would have beaten Houston, uh, I think they would have gotten in there. They had two really close games, I think one possession games against Houston at the other regular season. And then in the American Conference Tournament, had they won one of those games, I think they would have gotten in. They ended up losing both, went to the NIT, won the NIT title. Before that, they were doing the same kind of deal, but obviously 2020, there was no tournament. This year, they're, they're following that same trajectory. It's extremely frustrating that they're following the same trajectory, given all the talent that they have and some of the losses that they had earlier in the season. Uh, but Penny Hart, the, the good thing you got to give Hardaway credit for is the way he has his teams playing better at this time of year. It also coincides with Imani Bates not being in the lineup. He's got a back injury that he, he's dealing with. They expect him back at some point this year, but the seven games he's missed. Memphis is better offensively when he's off the court and they're better defensively when he's off the court. He's a really talented player, but he is young. He, he just turned 18 years old, and he, partially because of some of the teams he was on in high school, developed some really bad habits, and, and those have shown themselves in games. Extremely poor shot selection, um, a very much predetermining of, I'm going to shoot it on this possession and not even look to pass. It's that's the kind of thing that can really hurt Memphis and has had taken them, I think, out of sync. The group they have now has established a pecking order, established a bit of a flow, and, and are playing well. At the same time, you know, the American isn't going to really test you <laughs> the way a, a lot of other leagues will. Houston, Houston was a big win. We, Houston does not have their two best players who were hurt a while ago, and you got to give them a lot of credit for continuing to win. So I, I'm not coming here to say that they're the world beaters or anything like that, but they are playing significantly better. Uh, and because of the way some of these bubble teams, particularly in the ACC have fallen off, there is a path for them to get an at-large bid where I did not think there was a week, two weeks ago. Yeah. Like you mentioned too, they, they do have the bad losses. They do have some sneaky good wins too. They, they beat Alabama, they beat St. Louis and Virginia tech. That's all going to help them uh, mm-hmm. when it, it comes to that. Yeah. I think T rank has them as a nine seed and, 
you know, that's a really tricky nine season. That's a very talented basketball team. Uh, as a one of the dozen of Penn State basketball fans that are in the world here, <laughs> <I'm gonna switch laughs> the, a big win today over the Gophers. Got them back for last yep. week. Um, switches to the Big Ten. It, now, T-Rank has eight teams in. Um, but, man, these teams, nobody – everybody has a little bit of a problem. Like, they're, it's a flawed group. Mm-hmm. I mean – we could have a similar situation last year where you have one or two teams get through to the second weekend just because when you look at their stats, um, they're either really good on offense or really good on defense and not a whole lot of both. Uh, sets maybe Illinois. I mean, is, it, is that the situation? Are they going to have to get good seeding and favorable matchups to probably get themselves deep? Yeah, uh, I, you can say about plenty of teams outside the Big Ten too. Um that, that's one of the things we've talked about this year is that there are a lot of really good teams and there are certain ones that have separated themselves, but everybody is flawed. Nobody is unbeatable like last year's Baylor Gonzaga collision course. That's, that's not the case. So favorable draw will obviously help, but yeah, I mean, the, the top of the big 10 has some really good teams, but Purdue's defense is atrocious. There's only been one team in the last 20 years that had a defense ranked worse than theirs made the final four. The team also had Dwayne Wade. And as good as you think Jaden Ivey is, I don't know I don't know if he's Dwayne Wade yet. Um, Illinois, as you mentioned, uh, pretty good. Just got smacked by Rutgers. <laughs> Everyone's getting smacked by Rutgers. Maybe, it, maybe it's telling about the Big Ten uh, it, that Rutgers is in this position, right? Because oh, for what they did in the non-conference, if you were to say that team is now a game out of first in the Big Ten, uh, could be could be something. But, yeah, I mean – Everybody has has flaws, and we've seen those show up. Like Michigan State doesn't have top tier guys, a go to guy, just solid all the way around. Doesn't have don't have that extra gear. Um, they'll get a lot of teams in, and the the Big Ten deserves to get a lot of teams in. But it might be a season almost like last year, where seventy five percent of them are out in the first weekend. Just it just it, that that's the part that will depend on seating and matchups and things like that. Brian, a team that I'm sorry, go ahead, Jason. No, I was saying statistically, you look Illinois is probably the best team on paper, but there's a lot of times when you watch them, you don't see that team. Like you see, you see something else completely different. So, what do you got there? No, I just wanted to go because I I play, I call it Fade Duke, and I've played it now four uh, four times. So let's just recap Smitty's Fade Duke plays I've given out. I UVA beat them straight up. Mm -hmm. That was a good one. I played Clemson against them. Clemson it was close and then um there was a really uh, bad play a guy took a guy out and I mean just really not a good look could have been a lot worse situation um then I had BC over the weekend and BC covered and then I had wake the other night which was just I thought one of the, it was a fantastic game it came down it to was. the very end and everything like that a lot of people are high saying this a team final four can win it. I just wanted to get, and again, I think Duke, I've said it from all year, Brian. I said, I was a little concerned with their outside shooting with their guards. They are shooting a little better in my opinion, but you listen to some people, maybe on VEASAN to other people, and they really think this is a team that can win it. What's your overall opinion on Duke? Is this a team that can go final four, maybe win a national championship? They can win a national championship because their best is as good, if not better, than everybody else's best. They're not going to win a championship, though. I, I think I think both of those things can be true. They don't rebound the ball well at all. Uh, Bancaro and Mark Williams are, are really their only rebounders. 
the guy who leads them in shot attempts, this is just off the top of my head, but probably in 60 to 70% of the games, is Trevor Keels, who, to your point, not a good three-point shooter, not a, a real good shooter out of the lane. He was awesome the first two, three weeks of the season. When they beat Gonzaga, he was absurd. When they beat Kentucky in the championships class, champion classic, he was absurd in that game too, shooting the ball. He has not been that guy since then. Um, and I think some people, maybe himself included, still think of him uh, as being on that kind of tear. Um, AJ Griffin stepping in has given them that three-point shooting, uh, but Wendell Moore playing point guard hasn't had the same results it did the first month or two of the season. Uh, Bancaro has faded in and out of games. Williams has not been the the um, stalwart consistently. He can be, but he hasn't been consistently. So that's why I'm I'm curious to see with Duke when it gets to winning time, when it gets to March and games that matter, if they are able to, to just turn on that switch and bring back their A game all the time. Because let's be real, they're the most talented team in the ACC by far. And they have not looked like it or played like it, but they've gotten themselves out of some bad situations just because they're better and they know that they're better. But when it, when it gets down to it, you can't play with fire like that. Um, we, we've seen that burn too many teams that, that played in close games that they should not have been in. Illinois was a great example last year, a team that had championship potential, but won a lot of close games. And then, you know, Lowe's Chicago came in and, and ended their season early. Duke's in danger of having the same thing happen if they keep doing this. And there are some weaknesses that, that are legitimate. But if they can bring their best six games in a row, I, I there's a, a real chance they win. I just I don't see them doing that. Yeah, you, you we mentioned there Duke obviously leading the ACC. Now, has the Big Ten and the SEC taken the title away from the ACC? This is a question from uh, Maddie, who wasn't here today. Uh, mm-hmm. I would argue Big 12 should be factored in there, but – um, yes. What is the outlook for the ACC there? Like, obviously, you have some te- brand-name teams who are kind of struggling a little bit. Duke is doing good, but it's not the Duke. I mean, like you said, we're debating mm-hmm. here how good they really are. Um, Wake, as they do in all sports, sneaks in the back door and gets themselves <laughs> into a good spot by just being really solid. Um, so, I mean, is it just a, like a little lull here? Are they all going to reload and kind of get it all rolling? They've all changed coaches, except for Virginia. Mm-hmm. And Virginia is – you know, a team where you watch them play, sometimes they look really good, sometimes they look really bad. So it's it's quietly been about a three, four, five year lull for the ACC. Like this is this is the low point. This is as bad as it's been, but it's been a while since the ACC was what we think of the ACC as being. I think since that Notre Dame team won the ACC tournament uh, and then made that run to lead eight of 2015, 2016. Uh, since then, it, it's we haven't had the depth of quality teams there. There've been the teams at the top this year. There's only one, but there, there's still been the, those teams at the top, but the teams at the bottom and in the middle had not been as strong. It's also correlates with UNC really sliding down and not being that legitimate second force. Virginia has, has slipped since their title in 2019. Um, Florida state, had had been carrying the league, but but they're slipping now too. Syracuse continues to fall back into whatever the eve of Jim Beheim's career is going to end up being. You have a lot of guys who are on the, the very tail end of their careers, and we're going to see even more turnover in the league over the next couple of years. 
program-wise, structure-wise, tradition-wise, the ACC will be back, I think. But with some of this turnover uh, and the way the SEC is pouring resources in the basketball um, and what we've already seen from the Big Ten and Big 12, I think it could be another five years before they're, they're back up to that point. Do you think, and this, this is just me being my brain going 100 miles an hour and being a conspiracy person in a way, Duke getting in now, okay, <laughs> Duke getting in. And I heard this on TV, so I'm not as crazy as some people think. Duke getting in the tournament, though, with being Coach K's last year, just getting a good maybe seed, a spot to go through an area. Do you think that – am I crazy here, Brian? You can say I'm crazy. I don't think you're crazy. Uh, there are parameters in place to keep them from just like taking a team that would be a 16 seed. And let's say Duke gets a three, bump them up to a 14 so that they play Duke. Like there are parameters in place to where they, they're not going to give them a, just a, a softball that would, would be out of the ordinary. Uh, but I do think on those seed lines, they can probably use some discretion. Um, and I, I'm sure it helps that Duke's going to be at a point where they can do this, but they're going to be at a point where Duke's not going to be traveling a lot. I'm sure they're going to be playing in, in friendly cities as, as all top seeds traditionally do. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know if they're if the tournament's in Raleigh one of the first weekends. I think it is. I would be shocked if they're not in Raleigh. Uh, and then I would be shocked if they're not in the East region. Yeah, T-Rank has them, I think, in Greenville, South Carolina, which is probably the closest there. That's obviously They, they alternate South between Greenville and, and, and Raleigh. Uh, so, yeah. Well, being a South Carolina alum, Greenville, the last time they were in Greenville is when they lost to South Carolina in the second weekend or the second round of the NCAA tournament. So I don't know if they'll want to go back there, but <laughs> I'm, I, I, I bet you they end up there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so so we, we started with the, my first question was top teams. What's a mid-major or maybe a couple mid-majors that people should be eyeing up if they get in the tournament that you think can really make a deep run to maybe a sweet 16 and elite eight spot or maybe even further? Colorado State is my team for that. Uh, David Roddy is a legitimate All-American candidate. He's also the most unique player in the country. He's 6'5", 250, can play all five positions. They also have a great point guard in Isaiah Stevens. Colorado State, I think, is one of seven or eight, maybe nine teams that had multiple players on the uh, Naismith Award watch list, the best point guard, shooting guard, small forward. They're one of a handful of teams that had two guys on those lists. That should tell you about their potential. Nico Medved is an awesome coach. The offense that he runs, he spaces the floor. They have a bunch of great shooters. They're a matchup problem for a, a lot of teams. And they could get in here as a seven, maybe even a six seed. That's going to be a matchup that, you know, if there's a two seed like Purdue who can't play defense, Colorado State's going to shred them. Murray, if Murray State uh, and uh, Davidson are some other really good majors as well to keep an eye on, but I don't see them making those long runs. I think those are teams that could win a game. The team I'm looking at, at potentially making the second weekend would be Colorado State. Yeah, no, it, it, that's from that Mountain West. Like I said, if, if anyone's listening and they're looking for brackets and they want to look for upsets in the tournament, that look for a Mountain West team. Because yes, if you have absolutely. Play, um, they all can. They all have good guards. They all can score, and some of them can defend. And some of them are really good on offense, like Colorado State, like you mentioned. So another question from Maddie here, 
and I'll, I'll clean it up because he wants to know if there's a chance that a team with four or more losses can win the NCAA title this year. So that would basically yes. be everyone but Gonzaga, Arizona, and Auburn. Yes. Uh, it would not surprise me if Auburn and Arizona each had four losses by the time we get to the NCAA tournament, just the schedules that are left, uh, some of the variants in play there. Um, yes, I. as of right now, Gonzaga would be my pick, and I don't think they're reaching four losses, so I would not say that. Um, it's going to happen, but 1,000%. One, 1, uh, there there's a stat I saw where uh, this is from Making the Madness. Every national champion since 1996 has lost at least one game in February. I don't bring that up from a standpoint of you need to make sure you lose games in February because then it gives you the kick in the pants you need to, to make a run. I, I don't mean it from that standpoint, but – Team, you know, this is time teams lose. You're in conference, you're going on the road, you're playing other good teams. Teams lose now, and it's okay. I think a lot of times as basketball fans or just as sports fans in America, we bring a football mindset to everything where one game is, is do or die, and there's so much focus on one game. Basketball isn't that, right? Basketball is a marathon, not a sprint. There are situations of injuries and road environments, different things, matchups that can play a factor. And so when you're filling out your bracket too, it's important to look at everything from an overall perspective and not just, Oh, you know, they, they lost at Tennessee by 10 points when one of their guys was coming back from injury. Like I can't pick them to win. It happens. Yeah, no question. I mean, it, you do have those years where those guys pull away and it's kind of, you know, it's a 14 tournament and then hopefully everyone can get through to the final four. This year, you know, you see Gonzaga, I think, probably is far ahead above everyone. I think everyone else, even in Arizona, has some question just because um, usually guard play when I when I look down the rosters. Then you see a team like Houston, who's going to be seated probably fairly high, who's not quite what they were last year because mm-hmm. guys are just missing, um, and they play in a much weaker league this year. Um, yeah, I mean, so who's – I mean, the, so I'm looking at these leagues now. Like, who's the one league who's going to surprise us maybe with teams? Um that you know, like the Pac-12 always has a habit of being kind of underseeded in the tournament, and then you look at the Sweet 16, you realize there's four Pac-12 teams, and you're kind of like, "What the heck just happened?" Like, you yep. know, and they're the ones who busted your bracket. So, is there a league that we've kind of like where you're looking at the records? It's not quite that impressive, but when they get into the tournament, you're they're going to do pretty well. So, I'll say the Mountain West, and we've talked about the Mountain West a lot, mm-hmm. but Colorado State, Boise State, and Wyoming are all teams that can win a game, potentially more depending on on where they are. Um, if you're looking for a group that can be like the Pac-12 where it's like, oh, my goodness, all their teams are in the Sweet 16, how'd that happen? Like the Mountain West is that group. The Big 12, to me, too, from a depth standpoint, could make a lot of noise. Like, you expect Kale, uh, Baylor, Kansas, and um, Texas Tech to, you know, win a couple games. But I, I think we could – Texas has struggled, but Chris Beard's a really good NCAA tournament coach. I think you could see them win a couple games. Um Oklahoma finds a way in Porter Moser. It's what he does. Uh, the, the bottom or the middle. And then like the top of the bottom in the big 12 is really, really strong. And they just get in these positions because the league is so good. I think you see them go outside of that. We saw it non-conference. Um, those teams can, can be a problem. Ryan. So a team I'm been taking with some overs because they've been scoring a lot now last night they about gave me a heart attack i had team points 
um, 71 and they had 62 with 11 minutes and then just did not do anything until the very end and did give me a winner is Vermont. I love this Vermont team. So I'm going to throw two teams if they get in Vermont again in the America East 13 and one in conference 21 and five 11 and oh at home great team should get in if something doesn't crazy mm-hmm. happen. Vermont and another team I love South Dakota South Dakota State. They can put some points on too. I love teams that can put points on. What team would scare you if you're a higher seed and you would have them in the first round in the NCAA tournament? I think both of those are good options. Um, Hofstra, to me, is a team that I, I've picked up there. Uh, Speedy Claxon is their coach now. He, he's in their first his first year. But they're a guard-heavy team. Guard heavy attack, a lot of guys can create for themselves, shoot threes. Those are the kind of teams that that make noise, right? In the NCAA tournament, the the experienced teams, the great guard play, have dynamic offensive attacks. To me, that that's Hofstra. We've seen them. Um, they beat Arkansas in the in de, in December. Uh, one at Arkansas, that shows me they can play at that level, and they've maintained it. They'll have to get through the CAA tournament, which is no joke. Towson's a really, really good team as well. They just beat a, a good UNC Wilmington team tonight. If Hofstra gets out and they're going up against a team with a, a poor defense or poor guard play, sounds like Purdue, um, go up against a team with, with, with poor defense, poor guard play, Hofstra, I think, is a team to keep an eye on. Can we put Iona in that group? You got Rick Pitino. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're going to get through in the uh, the MAC. There, obviously, that tournament always seems to knock people off. But I mean, I I made a joke of, of trying to figure out who the five seed is. It's going to get stuck with Iona and lose in the first round. <laughs> I'm I'm so, crossing my fingers and hoping that we get a Michigan State Iona five twelve matchup, so we get Izzo and Pitino in the first round. I mean, that's storylines you could tell. Also, Iona would win that game. So it's funny that you said that. So I looked at T-Rank before the show here, and I'm looking at the five seeds that he has listed right now, and it's LSU, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Connecticut. And, like, all four of those teams are, like, perfectly set up for yep. a 5-12 offset because they all have flaws of one side or the other. Like, we talked about Michigan State's lack of a fifth gear. Um, I've watched Connecticut play on offense. It can be something where you have to put the kids away out of the room because it's really <laughs> scary. It's and ugly. And LSU can't score and Ohio State can't guard. So it, it, they're all kind of in that range where, um, yep. yeah, it's it, it's funny how it always works out that way. There's, there's, that five line is always kind of where things get a little wonky. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, Iona could definitely do some damage there. So, Brian, we know you got a jet here, but I got to ask, man. I got you on. We've talked on Twitter about this. I'm a Georgetown fan, so I got to ask you this. And we talked uh, about maybe two weeks ago about this, and you gave mm-hmm. me some good info. Is Patrick Ewing, is he going to get fired? Is he going to step down and just say, hey, I'm going to get out of this? Or is mm-hmm. he going to be back next year? What's your overall thought on that? And then one more piece. Can you give me maybe a name or two that you think they would maybe go after if you have an idea on that? Knowing Georgetown, if they go after somebody, it would probably be somebody with Georgetown ties. I don't know who that great candidate would be, but they very much like to keep it within Georgetown if they can. 
which I think adds another difficult layer with this Ewing thing. If they did not win the Big East tournament last year, I I, I think this isn't a question. Like I, I think it becomes time. But because he did, I would not be surprised to see him back next year. Wow. Georgetown gave JT three probably two or three extra years that he didn't need. And now he had more success than Ewing has had, but they're, they're slower to make changes. I think at Georgetown, um, if they go winless, would it surprise me if they parted with him? No, uh, it wouldn't be a firing. They have too much respect for Ewing. It would be a, a mutual parting of ways, uh, something along those lines. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Ewing then go back to the NBA if that happened. But I, I think because they made the tournament last year, I know this year has been rough. I think they give him one more year to to see how it goes. I don't know, Jason. That's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> it's probably, <laughs> it's probably not. Hey, no, but here's the thing. Brian told me this a couple of weeks ago. That was about the same answer he gave me. And, you know, and I agree with him. Being a Georgetown, they are. They're very I 100% agree with what he just said there. I could see him staying within. I, I don't know who that person is. I wasn't made, I was not very high on the hire. Again, the guy was in the NBA, was coaching. A lot of people were upset he didn't get some jobs there. And again, great run last year. They got hot at the right time. Got, you know, not a great performance in, but man, it's been ugly. It is. Here's the here's the thing I, I will say before I, I get off here. James Akinjo is tearing up Baylor. He was supposed to be a senior at Georgetown. And there were things outside of Ewing's control that are is why he's not on the team anymore. You know, Mac, Mac, this 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 would be Kenjo McClung's senior year. Yep, 100%. right, absolutely. Things blew up due to some um, some off court deals that Ewing did not have a ton to do with. Um, so I, I wonder if he gets a little bit of a pass to that plus the tournament tournament birth last year. Great point. Great point, yeah. Jason. Any uh, we're we're gonna let him because man, I got one before he leaves. Real, I mean, a really fast one. But uh, Jason, you got anything? Uh, no, I'll let you get the, the quick shot off here at the buzzer. I just, I just wanted to ask how many, because I know you have, you have two kids, I believe now, right? Mm-hmm. Two kids right now. Okay. Yep. And mine are a little older. Jason's are a little older. So I think you have the, you have the younger ones here. How many games do you watch a night? I mean, are you one of these guys that you're watching games until 2 a.m.? No, I, I will get in bed after the nine o'clock games. 11 15 11 30 east coast time the late games are, are then caught up on the next day i uh, got a couple youtube channels where you get the the condensed games uh i'll, I'll catch up on those there but it's worked out nicely because we got we got bedtime scheduled for seven a good seven to eleven window in there watch some hoops <laughs> and then uh catch up the next day hey brian do you want to give out a shout out to anything you're doing man to our to our listeners yeah, we, we got a lot of great stuff coming up on HeatCheckCBB.com, centered around March Madness and, and the NCAA tournament. We're going to have a full conference tournament coverage for every single conference tournament. And it's not like sites for like, oh, we write, you know, 8,000 words on the ACC tournament and here's a five little word blurb on, on the SOCON. We, we give the same amount to everybody uh, in depth, uh, as much research and analysis as we can put into it for all these conference tournaments. Uh, those get started next Monday, by the way. We're like 10 days away from that. That's awesome. But we, we'll have all that. We have uh, something big in the works for the NCAA tournament that I'm uh, not going to tease yet, but it's um, it's going to be awesome. So I highly suggest you check out heatcheckcbb.com. Very nice. 
That's awesome. That's great. And like I said at the beginning, if you're not following him on Twitter, you better wake up and get on and follow this guy because this guy is one of the best in the game. And we are so fortunate. This, this is our second time that we've had Brian on the show. So Brian, thank you so much. We appreciate the time. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Well, Jason, just another great episode with him. And again, we've, we say this a lot with, uh, you know, <laughs> it was great. I don't want to say it was great that the other guys weren't on. We could do some more of our uh, maybe questions that maybe we had more time doing it, but we said <laughs> this with a lot with our guests that we are just so fortunate that we've got to know some of these people and he's the best because I wrote him one night. I had like two or three things that were just burning in my brain. So DM them <laughs> right away. One was about Georgetown and Ewing. He got back to me in like a minute. And then I asked him about something else and he gave me like a full info on this. And I even like the next day, I was just thinking, it is awesome to know these people. This is kind of cool, oh, yeah. man. I, I kind of like this. So, but just a great job. And like we said, if you're not following him, you better, better get with it. Cause that guy is one of the best college basketball minds uh, in the game. So, um, Jason, any, I have a direction where I want to go to end the show here, but let's, let's keep with the basketball talk really quick. We brought this up on the last show. Is there anybody right now that you're just, it's a must play or anytime they're playing, you're really eyeing up. Well, I'll tell you what, it's, we kind of talked to some of the last time is that, um, when you see a line that's a little short with a good team on the road right now, it is really good to take that, take those points. Um, it just seems like we're just in those dog days. Teams are kind of running out of gas, right? They're trying to play with some more people because, you know, there's only like four or five games left for some of these leagues. And, um, you know, they can see the finish line and you can tell that they're just beat up. You know, the travel starting to add up. These conferences are gigantic now as opposed to the old days where, you know, you could probably take a bus to some of these um, places. And uh, when you go on the road, it's just tough. You know, you saw it last night, a uh, pretty good Wyoming team. I think lost to UNLV, right? Um, no, New Mexico. Because, uh, New Mexico, right, right? Because New Mexico, you're playing at altitude, especially in the Mountain West, um, big factor. You know, it just, it, it, there's just, it's really hard to go on the road and win. And if the, you see teams going on the road to win, that's where you got to put a little check mark next to their name um, because those are the teams you're going to want to get through your brackets. Those are the teams you're going to want to bet on. Uh, coming up in these tournaments because they're playing really good basketball. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, you know, it's hard to sell yourself sometimes on them because you're looking at the names and you're like, oh, I really could take the Lobos here. They haven't been good since like Charles Smith in like 1994, right? Stuff like that. But and Luke Longley. Um, but, you oh, know, great it, name. Good, good <laughs> shot out there. Luke Longley. But it, it, it really is the case. Uh, and especially, you know, I, you know, we talked about Penn State, obviously, my team, you know, can't go in happy valley right now and get out easy like they, they get a piece of you they may not always cover but you know they're going to scare the heck out of you like they did with michigan or they're going to get you like michigan state you can't go into new jersey and beat rutgers right now you, you go out with it. it doesn't matter what the number is next to your name um so yeah there's so many league, like there's there's a penn state in every league where you know teams that are playing when they're at home playing well above their ken palm ratings and things like that it's seem to be pits and you just look for those games and you know even if the line looks short go ahead and take it you'll be surprised how often it comes in yeah and i think brian made a great point and we brought this up on previous shows it's 
it's not college football. Your team's going to lose. I mean, you can't, if you know, if you're a fan of a team or gambler, look, I always like, and I've said this before, you know, maybe Wyoming, let's talk, go back to that Wyoming game. They've got some big wins recently. Like you said, very tough place to go into and play New Mexico. A lot of people were on that. A lot of people on Beeson love New Mexico. Tough place. Wyoming's coming off some big wins. Go in there, letdown spot. It happens all the time. I like seeing teams, what I do with some of my handicapping, and I'm not sitting here saying I'm the greatest basketball handicapper. I have my great nights and then I can go in a cold streak too. But teams that get blown out or run out of the gym, their next game, man, I eye that up. I love looking at those teams. If I feel like the line's good and then I match it up with like Greg Peterson's spreadsheet, try to look, listen to some of the other guys that we really respect in this business and you it's there, man, I'm jumping on it. And that's, that's kind of what I do. I mean, and there's some, you know, it's, it's hard. These, like you said, to go into a place on a Tuesday night on the road, sometimes it's hard. Like you said, one team to keep an eye on Rutgers, no one's going into the rack, man, and playing well right now. They're getting run out of the gym. That is for sure. You know, one that I'm going to keep playing. I lost finally my streak. I brought it up on the last show Toledo's team points. Matt, I'm gonna. I'm, can I blame Matt for this one because he's Absolutely. not on the show today about the because so <laughs> he jumped on it with me. But man, and I think Q had him. I think in a teaser or something. They could not shoot the other night. They were missing dunks and free throws. And hey, that happens too. I mean, these guys aren't gonna shoot every night. It's like I said about Vermont. Vermont uh, team points last night, seventy and a half against. Um, oh man, was it New Hampshire? I can't remember. Yes, it was. It was. New Hampshire. Sixty-two points, eleven minutes left. I'm saying best bet of the night. This is easy. I check it a couple minutes later. Eight minutes left, sixty-two points. Four minutes left, sixty-two points. I'm writing the boys here. I'm like, what just happened in this game? Luckily, they got it. But hey, that happens. But keep an eye on that Vermont team. I think that team is very dangerous if they get in the NCAA tournament, especially in the first round. Like, you know, I thought Brian said a great team too, Hofstra. Um, I followed them. You know, I think South Dakota State, Vermont, Hofstra you want to throw on. Um, I love the MAC. I've been saying the last couple of weeks with the MAC because I think Ohio is a very good team. Toledo is a very good team. You play one of those teams in the first round too. Good luck there too. That could You could be out very, very fast on that. Anything else, Jason, college basketball? Because I want to lead it into something else here to end the show this week. No, I just, I'm really excited. The small tournaments to me are the better tournaments. Um, you know, the, the big ones are fun to watch when you get the great matchups about the heavyweights um, late in the season. But the small ones are the best because, you know, you, you mentioned a team like Vermont. They've lost one game in their league. They're really good. They're 33 in offense, so they can score. They're going to be able to score on anyone if they can get to the tournament. But if they don't win their tournament, they're in the NIT, like, you know what I mean? And, you know, I gotta be honest, I forgot Memphis won the NIT until Brian mentioned it on the podcast. So, I mean, that's, that tournament has kind of fallen to the wayside a little, right? Um, that's where you see that, you see that tension in those games and they're, they're, teams know each other so well. Yeah, they're playing in their home gyms. Like it's just a really good basketball, um, a lot of desperate basketball. So that that's my favorite week of the two. You know, the Saturday nights, the Friday nights of the big tournaments are always fun because that's when you kind of see these teams really get to see how good they are. And it's a great scouting for the, the brackets. But 
Um, yeah, yeah I, no, I, I'm excited. Hundred percent with you, man. I and that's it, so funny you said that because even growing up, because this you know, beginning of March to me was like Christmas every day. Mm-hmm. You oh, know, yeah. being in being in school. How many people, if you know, listening maybe to the show that you were in school and somehow you convinced your teacher to put the TV on during a class to catch the the noon game or the two o'clock game. And then you ran home to see it. But I agree with you. The little tournaments leading into it are so much fun to watch. Um, You know, the Ohio Murray state, um, you know, they're always, you know, they've had some great um, championship games. And like you said, Vermont, And, and it's like, I think you just made a great point there, Jason, really watching these teams. And if you're really going to get into a bracket or start like gambling here for March Madness to kind of see and go, wow, I really like this team. This team could make a run on here. Um, Cause you get, again, a lot of people maybe don't watch all year and they get in and then they do a lot of brackets. I think that's a great point with that. So no, it's, I'm excited, man. This great time of year, great time of year. Absolutely. So let's, and we got a little bit, we're going to try to keep this under an hour since our last show, um, went a little longer we had again uh if you have not listened to our super bowl show we had the great raider john condo in there breaking down the super bowl and uh that was a lot of fun uh, jason what's your overall let's talk super bowl really fast what was your overall thoughts of the game how'd you do gambling wise let's just kind of do a recap gambling wise was a little hurtful i got the rams laying four obviously yeah lost by three that was that was hurtful especially when you think about the uh interception in the end zone <laughs> um coming back i i thought the first half was actually a pretty entertaining ball game and then it seemed like the the third quarter or so after the big play um the higgins that that game just really hit a lull um and neither team really could do much offensively uh you know i'm, I'm really impressed with the Bengals defense I, I just don't think it's a great unit but i tell you what i think that their scheme is fantastic because they show everything to everyone. Um, they find they're kind of like the Patriots were in the old days where they, they find a way to find something that works against what you like to do. I mean, even in the second half of that game, they pulled out the old six, one front that Belichick used against the Rams in the previous Super Bowl. that gave them all kind of fits and that everyone used the next season against them. So, um, you know, it was, it was good from that standpoint. Um, you know, both quarterbacks I, I'm impressed because it seemed like both were injured during the game <laughs> and, uh, kind of stayed in there and we're kind of gotten it out. I mean, I think Burrow has a sprained MCL. I haven't heard with Stafford, but he's clearly got a, a sprained ankle too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it wasn't a great game, but it also wasn't a bad game. I, I think that's the best way to describe it. We had some debate with uh, Maddie and Q about like how good the game actually was, but you know, I'll take it. Um, I wish you could have been, you know, you want that cliffhanger ending. I thought when the Bengals got the ball back with a minute left that we're going to see Joe Burrow magic again. Um, but we didn't, but uh, with that, it would have probably been a great game. I thought the game was okay. I mean, I I was with you. I had the Rams. One of my bigger bets was the Rams, which was a loser. Now I did jump on when the Rams got behind, I jumped on a pretty good size bet on the plus money with the, it was plus points with the, with the Rams. And I just thought the Rams were the better team. We're going to come back. I just believed it the whole game, even when they got down. I thought the play calling by the coaches were not the best. I was a little surprised on both times, the fourth and one Joe Mixon was not on the field. I think, you know, and those things you're going to question maybe forever. I mean, if you're a Bengals fan, why wasn't our best running back on? Um, But I thought, you know, overall good game. Um, 
you know, OBJ going down, I thought really hurt the Rams. It seemed like they were lost, really didn't stretch the field as much without him out there. Uh, gambling wise did, I mean, I did all right. I hit like that live bet. It was nice. I've done teasers all year. I had a teaser play. I had the Rams and the under. I said on the show, I didn't think it was going to be as high scoring as some people thought. And that kind of played well prop wise. Um, I had the kicker for the McPherson over winner. I had under Cooper cup receptions. I won it by, I think, I think it was at eight and a half. He had eight won that one. I was really Joe Mixon. And I, you know, I said on the show, Jason, I I've been taking all Joe Mixon and he was doing well for me, but I had combined Russian receiving, which he didn't get there. I had the under Russian, which he went over. And then what he really hurt me on was I had, my first bet was no touchdown opening drive, both teams winner first quarter under was looking good. All he had to do was catch that screen ball and get tackled. And that's a winner. And he dropped it, dropped it. Joe Mixon, you owe me some money, but <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I know we had good conversations like we always do going back and forth. You know, some people had some different plays and, we put our two cents in, but yeah, overall, what'd you think of the halftime show, Jace? You know, we're old, so I liked it. <laughs> I, I really, I did. Um, you know, I understand people who were maybe, you know, uh, certain like older demographics and very young demographics who don't know those guys, but that's, you know, that's the soundtrack of my college years. Uh, so it's kind of funny to see, you know, everyone's still around, which is always good when you have musicians and uh, no, it was just fun. I mean, it's in LA. I like that it was the like the LA artist there. Obviously, you threw an Eminem and uh, Fifty Cent and Mary J. Blige, who aren't from LA, but kind of all worked. And you know, they had a little tribute to Tupac there with the piano. That that was a nice little touch. Um, I thought the stage itself was pretty fascinating. Like I don't know who came up with that, but I heard. Okay, so this this what I heard. Not to cut you off, but just to go back on that point, I heard on the one of the radio shows down here. They said that some people were making fun of it and said. You see better uh, stages in a high school um, drama, which I, I didn't think it was horrible. But they said, now, I don't know if this is true. They said that Dr. Dre put up $8 million of his own money for that. Wow. I don't know. Now, I have not heard that anywhere else. This was off a show down here. If that's accurate, I'm not sure. Hey, Dr. Dre, if you listen, give us a call. Give us a little shout out. Let us know if you spent $8 million on that. But, you know, I thought the 50 cent thing, a couple people, looks like he uh, kind of let himself go. But, I I mean, we've all let ourselves go a little bit if you're at that age. So, um, absolutely. You know. Um, no, it was good. I mean, they, you know, it would probably have been a little better if there had been, like, one less artist. So, you could have a little more of everyone. Um, It'll be interesting to see what they do next year. It always seems like they kind of struggle to find people that are both not controversial and have some appeal. Um, you know, I thought actually The weekend did a decent job last year. I don't know much of his music. I know a couple of his songs, but I thought it was, you know, a lot of people were mixed on that show too. You know, I, I think it's fine. I mean, commercials were back this year. They weren't great, but at least they were trying again. Like I said, two years ago, we talked about it. No one was doing anything from commercials. They were recycling the ones they were running the weeks before. Um, so, you know, it got back to being the Super Bowl again. That's nice to see, you know. Um, it's pretty funny to see these crowd shots from the uh, Rams parade and celebration. I mean, when you compare it, like, I think the entire city of Philadelphia was at their parade a couple of years ago. I mean, it shut down the, the, the subway system. It shut down the buses. No one could get in or out of the city. No one wanted to get in or out of the city. They just wanted to be there, right? And you see L.A., 
and I think the parade route was about three quarters of a mile. And it looked like there was maybe a couple hundred people in a city that's like probably close to like 10 million in population, right? Um, it, it'll be interesting to see long-term how that plays out in LA with those two teams because they, they clearly are not getting a foothold at all for populace, right? Um, it, they're not going to surpass the Lakers. They're not going to surpass the Dodgers. It's just weird to see the NFL team be the, the, uh, the third pick, right, out of all those teams. Maybe even fourth. Maybe the Kings are ahead of those guys. I don't know. But uh, it is weird just to see, like, they just not transitioning to that market at all. And plus, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I hate seeing the L.A. Rams owner get any title because he owns Arsenal and he doesn't spend any money. But that's a whole different thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I agree with – I did see some of the videos on the parade. Um, yeah, it's 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 a different ball game out there. So, um, it is what it is. So, hey, well, you know, we're going to wrap it up here. But, you know, the direction where we're going to go – we're going to dive really hardcore into March Madness here. I mean, we're really going to get into it here. We're going to try to keep on um, great basketball minds. We have a good one coming on next week. Um, it's been on a couple of times with us, a really good uh, friend of the show. And we're just going to keep trying to bring on great basketball minds to get into these conference, get you set up for March Madness if you don't follow it. But you do, again, a bracket. You need some help. We're, we're junkies, man. We track this a lot we like to gamble it we like to just watch we have ideas we talk to a lot of people gonna get into that and then jace you know what show's coming up very soon then we're gonna get into the nfl draft and we'll do our uh, our draft again and i can go on some rants about how bad the steelers first round pick is gonna be and i know everybody likes that so much well, the beauty of being a Steelers fan is we will know who the first round pick is because they make no effort to conceal it. <laughs> <laughs> They're the only team that's out there like, yeah, we're taking that guy. Yeah, we're we're going to take Najee. Everybody knew Najee was the guy last hey, year. Like, I was the only one, that, and I, or maybe I just didn't want didn't, didn't to deal with it. Hey, like, again, so, I'm glad he's on the team. I'm glad he's on the team. He's, a, he's I think he's a great player, but it's like, you know, I mean, I've seen people do fantasy drafts with like, more uh, uh, subterfuge about who they're going to take when you can't even trade up or down in those leagues right they're just like blatant about it it's like okay what's you know why don't you and maybe you get a trade offer maybe you get a couple extra picks you know play around with it it'll be interesting to see because obviously this is kevin colbert's last draft um if that changes at all because <laughs> to me they, they just play the draft so poorly they draft good guys but the whole little game theory around you know trading up and down and getting picks and you know get targeting your guys they just don't have any interest in that and it seems like almost all the teams are like out there trying to maximize they possibly can the Steelers are just like yeah we'll, we'll, we'll take our seven guys and go we'll, we're good <laughs> absolutely absolutely but we can't wait this is probably one of my favorite times because we're going to get I mean again we're college basketball we love it NFL draft uh, myself, Maddie, and Jason. I think Jason, you dabble into golf a little bit, right? With some plays and. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, yeah. you know, I watch it, and I, I know the guys. I mean, this is obviously a great tournament this weekend at Riviera. Uh, this is it's nice to look at. It, you know, up here in the Northeast, it's it's cold. It's not too cold right now, but it's usually cold and rainy. And you look at these West Coast trips, and you see that beautiful weather, and you you know you see your guys out playing. You're like, why the hell am I playing? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I put mine. I put mine out again. Um, I, you know, and I haven't checked. I had uh, Newman uh, in the top ten. One of my plays, he was in first place. Um, you know, again, I uh, hit two last week. 
I had Scheffler top 10. He won the tournament and Keith Mitchell made the top and um, Laird, Martin Laird. I had um, top 10 for pretty good odds, pretty good. It would have been good. And he was one off getting there. So a um, couple guys, not the greatest start today. I got to see how we finished here, but my plays are out. I know Matt puts them out, but yeah, we're going to get into golf. We're going to get in the NFL draft college basketball. Like I said, we got a great guest that's been on the show next week. We're going to just keep firing away. And again, if you have any thoughts, any team that you want us to discuss with any of these people, please reach out. We would be more than happy to discuss it. Tell us what you think, what you, any other sports that you want us to talk, man, because we'll talk about it, but we Maybe appreciate you teach you about hockey. Oh, uh, <laughs> Hey, yeah. Hey, follow Jay. Uh, let's plug that really quick. Jason, Matt in a tournament, they're doing really well. Do a quick update on that, Jason, before we let everyone go. You post them every night. You and Maddie have been posting them. We post our picks. You can follow the hashtag. There's a lot of good hockey uh, gamblers on there. It's a sport that probably doesn't get gambled enough, really. Um, uh, but it, it's something we've kind of dove into. And uh, it's definitely something I dove into this offseason trying to figure it out. I think I have a pretty good model right now, so I'm a little happy with myself. Um, you know, they're getting down their dog days as well, um, getting close to the playoffs. Um, just, you know, sport probably needs, you know, it's very regional right now, needs a little more notoriety, but it's fun to watch and it's actually pretty fun to gamble. So, uh, you know, our picks are out there. We're more than happy to coach it up. Maybe walk through the Stanley Cup of who we think is going to go where, see if there's any value in some of these teams. Um, there's always some surprises in the Stanley Cup tournament, so there's a good chance to make some money. And, uh, yeah, just another sport here in the spring. We're going to need something to fill in because it doesn't look like baseball is coming back anytime soon. That's nah, a shame. So, well, hey, again, thank you so much for everybody tuning into this. Thank you for our guest, Ryan Ralph. Uh, again, great mind. Just follow him. We appreciate all his time and information because he was fantastic again. So reach out to us. Thank you so much. Next, Until next week, we'll talk to you soon. See you. Thanks for listening to the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and be sure to follow at Notebook Wagering. Until next time.